Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your composer host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran. This podcast is my way of spreading ideas about music making from all sorts of songwriters and composers. All these episodes are free to download or stream at composerquest.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. If you remember all the way back to episode 11, Songwriting Inspiration with Paul Spring, Paul mentioned his longtime collaborator and friend, Dylan McFarling. And now I bring you an interview with Dylan himself, one of the best guitarists I know. And what I didn't know is he's also an awesome solo singer-songwriter. So stay tuned for some of Dylan's beautiful new songs, which have never been recorded outside of Composer Quest. You disappeared from me then, yet I swear I felt your breath on me. It wasn't the last time I'd curse the first light of day. Dylan, good to see you again. You and too. You are continuing on with your music major at St. John's. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So you took a break from that for a little while? Yeah, just about a year. Uh, took some time off to kind of reevaluate <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wound up in the exact same place, but in a better state of mind. Think, okay. So. so Dylan is a awesome guitarist. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, how long have you been playing? Probably since eighth grade, maybe around then. So a while. <laughs> nice. What was it that drew you to guitar? Well, actually, I was playing the viola, and that was my first instrument. Um, so my dad plays fiddle, so I kind of wanted to try that out. But uh, there was a babysitter watching my sisters one day, and I came home, and she was playing guitar, and I was like, you need to show me how to do that. And she taught me like some Green Day song or something, and... <laughs> I was hooked from then on out. Yeah. I kind of wish I had picked viola yeah. over violin. Yeah. Really? What's yeah. that? Uh, I don't know. The, I guess the I like the slightly lower tone. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful instrument. Mm-hmm. But I... the parts you get, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. You have to balance that. Yeah. So do you ever play anymore? Or? Um. Yeah. Uh, here and there. Um. There's... Uh, track that uh, we're going to be recording pretty soon of mine that has actually some viola playing on it baby on a whim i let the sentimental winds blow me back again and i settle on some crowded street hum some smoky melody watch the breeze blow it away Where do you get your song ideas from, generally? Ideas. I mean, everywhere. I feel like I'm kind of uh, almost boring in that aspect, but because uh, it's all the same stuff that everybody says, you know, <laughs> uh, love, loss, greed, whatever, you know, these emotions that you mm-hmm. want to get out. So, I don't know. I'd say dreams, though. Big one. I love thinking about them, considering them, I guess, nice. for material. Because I, uh, like, recently had a bunch of recurring dreams, or not recurring dreams, but, like, a character in a recurring 
throughout these dreams. And that kind of scared me because, you know, what is that trying to tell me, right? So I had to write a song about it, uh, see if I could make it stop because it was really freaking me out. Whoa. Is this someone that you, based on someone you knew or? Oh, man, it could have been, you know, that thought (laughs) ran through my mind a couple times. I don't know. It was kind of a weird sort of archetypal figure that would just sort of show up and it was always in really inopportune moments. So very, very bizarre. Would you be able to play that song? <laughs> yeah, I suppose I could. So All I right, could. sweet. I kind of twisted it around, and instead of it being something that I was kind of afraid of or opposed to, I decided to make it like a cheesy love ballad <laughs> about this ghostly apparition. I missed the train to you, girl In a dreamtime tragedy's epilogue Nothing more real to me than I woke alarmed Panicked and shaken I searched For a memory lost in a clouded mind Knowing damn well what had been Just wasting my time I stood alone with you the world dissolve in a tongue of fire Your eyes stayed fixed on the sun When mine looked away And you disappeared from me then Yet I swear I felt your breath on me It wasn't the last time I'd curse The first light of day Glance from you, girl In the haze of a dreamtime reverie And as you just where you had been But you wouldn't say That's it. Wow. That is incredible. Man, Thank you. I really like that. I love the melody. Yeah, it was kind of one of those things where I like woke up and was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I just sat down like on a Saturday with the guitar and just got the melody and decided it didn't even need a bridge. And I could just stick with those same four chords and see, or three chords and see if I could just make it a song. And it turned out okay, I think, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. Even though it's the same repeating chords, it never felt like it was just repeating too much or I don't know. Yeah. Like the rhythm of your phrasing just keeps it going like the whole time. Yeah, that's something uh, I've been thinking about a lot because I listen to stuff 
that I had written, you know, in the past. And how do I put this? Like a lot of it is very cut and paste sort of. And so now when I write songs, especially like pop songs, I want a more fluid kind of organic sound. And so I'm looking for different ways to spice it up. I use like different interactions between guitar and voice or the band members, you know, adding, subtracting, you know, staggering voices, things like that. Kind of thinking about it in like an orchestral way almost is been studying too much music (laughs) yeah no but i think it applies yeah how have your studies recently at st john's influenced your writing a great deal actually um particularly like studying string quartets and composition is something that's been a big help for me like conceptually certain techniques that are used in the interaction between the voices in a four-part string quartet are really something you can learn a lot from and even in pop songwriting I feel like a good example is like The Pretender by Jackson Brown I was listening Mm. to that on the way down here and I was like you know that's a great example of the way he adds subtracts and staggers those voices uh, voices meaning uh, you know everything from the instruments in the band to the actual vocals is really cool and it's kind of it's the same thing where it's almost the same chord progression the whole time and the way he staggers those voices are in keeping with the whole feel of the tune. Hmm. It's a really cool song to look at in, in, cool. in terms of that. But So uh, staggering as in like they start their melodies at different times kind of? Or? Yeah. You know, if you think of like a call and response type thing or even like a canon or a round, you know, like you can do that to a certain degree, like imitating a theme between the voices is a good way to kind of extend what may be a dull melody otherwise in a pop song too, not yeah. just in like a chorale, you know? Yeah. Fun. Man, I want you to play your song again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, but yeah. is there a way you could like break apart like one piece to sh- give an example of yeah. that? I do have actually a tune, like blues is a great example of that, you know? And this is all going to relate, I promise. It's not just tangential, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, the interaction between voices and blues is really important because it comes from, you know, like call and response tunes, like old hymns and things is kind of the origin of that. So even when it's just, you know, Eric Clapton going blah, 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 and then there's an interaction between voices there. So I kind of like was thinking about that when I wrote a newer song of mine that kind of takes influences from blues, but also um, in like keeping it interesting, sort of varying the progression. So I can maybe play a little bit of that for you. Yeah. Um, That'd be to give awesome. you an idea. And you'll see like the interaction between the voice and the guitar is pretty call and response, sort of reminiscent of that blues style. But it also kind of builds to something a little more in the pop vein.
But I know it, man, you know that I'll be on my way Call me crazy, broken, busted, from there but that's kind of the idea you know there's moments where you have the guitar and the voice trading and then there's moments where they're accompanying each other and then there's moments where they're basically doing both with the um, guitar echoing the melody but still providing the harmony and so that's kind of things I think of you know when I want to write something that's a little more interesting that's a really good point that I don't know if anyone's brought up on this podcast before really Uh, really yeah the idea of one way to progress your piece is like the instruments doing things differently and then they come together at certain points and play in the same rhythms or whatever and then break Mm -hmm. off again and come back together yeah just another way to vary things definitely i mean i think it's my favorite way because i mean really like harmony um are chord structures you know they just derive from what was basically like melodies interacting separate lines interacting and that's how we kind of came up with chord theory i guess so if you think about it in that regard if harmony is just a byproduct of many melodies interacting you have more to play with i guess and oh man a great example like really any beach boys song you'll find that kind of interaction going on in the vocal harmonies or like crosby stills nash and young a lot of gospel music has that. And they all have those pop elements. They're very catchy, they're upbeat, you know, or sad, I guess, depending yeah. on what they want. Yeah. So tell me about your new solo project that you're working on. Are there any other dream-inspired songs? Yes, there are a few, but I don't think they're ready to play right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're pretty weird. Okay. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So what, what makes them weird just... Uh, lyrically or yeah i'm trying to find a way to put it uh lyrically like things that i want to say lyrically in a way that will make sense to people and myself in two different ways because i don't want to just like throw out crazy dream jargon and hope people like understand what i'm talking about i want to make it relatable to an audience to some degree that's the tricky part yes yeah it's so easy to get caught up in like your own mental image you have of your song yeah it's like yep. oh yeah i'll just throw it in these words because those make sense with my the story in my head mm-hmm. but then you kind of forget what your audience is going to hear the first time yeah yeah especially because not everyone is like me where you sit and you scrutinize a song and just like listen to take it apart you know and you want to know everything about it and how it works inside out so i want to be able to appeal to people that aren't obsessive like that (laughs) (laughs) so when you say you scrutinize songs Mm -hmm. do you have an example of like when you picked apart a song to try and figure it out 
oh man, let's see what was a good one. Like Rosebud by Ryan Adams. And I used to listen to that in high school all the time because it's so, it's so beautiful. And uh, there's a guitar solo at the end of that song that sounds a lot like Jerry Garcia. Like it's just a spot on impersonation basically of his guitar style. And I was like, that's really cool. I wonder why that's there. And uh, a friend of mine, Cooper Lund, I guess, kind of, you know, I was trying to pick apart the lyrics forever. And he pointed out that he thinks it's about Jerry Garcia's guitar, Rosebud. It's, um, hmm. there's a line of, that's, what is it? Something, she's shipwrecked up on the Ohio behind a wall of glass, telling me to take it easy, but I took a photograph. Like, he's just at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ohio, <laughs> taking a picture of Jerry Garcia's guitar. But it's like the most hauntingly beautiful song ever. Huh. And so that's like a good example of, I just want to know what that means, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a Nick what Drake What does Rosebud song. mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it can't be Citizen Kane. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a Nick Drake song the other day, too, where, like, I was just sitting, you know, doing dishes or something in my house listening to, or in my apartment listening to it, and uh, I heard uh, one line, it was like, who knows what a face is for, I think was the line, and I just had to stop and be like, wait, what? I need to go, I need to go listen to the rest of this song now very intently. See if I can place where that's coming from. It's that kind of stuff. But hmm. I just, I got to know. Yeah. I try to get inside people's heads because yeah. I think it's interesting. So I'm sure you're a Beatles fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's another gold mine for picking up <laughs> yeah. art lyrics and melody and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they played along with that in Glass Onion. Oh. Like, yeah. reveals all the little secrets that people think they know yeah i love that song actually <laughs> that's for that very reason well i've never really heard you sing solo but i really like your voice oh thank you and i noticed like you you hardly open your mouth when you sing which oh, is yeah. interesting i think that makes a really cool effect huh i guess i never picked up on that <laughs> I'll have to watch yeah myself. no <laughs> it's cool it's like well i mean you open your mouth but maybe not your teeth so yeah. much when i took one vocal lesson they were talking about how like most people tend to think you need to have a super wide open mouth when you're singing but mm -hmm. actually like having a smaller mouth opening is what gives it like a little more overtones oh almost. yeah yeah wow i actually I didn't so. that. i might have to take some vocal <laughs> lessons now. yeah well um, it it totally helped with mostly for breathing yeah that's a big thing. Yeah, which I hadn't really thought about, but... Yeah, I often forget. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really bad with doing backup vocals for Paul, and I'll, like... Because he hits notes that are out there and then, like, holds them, so yeah. when you have to do the high harmony for that, you're, like, in the middle of the <laughs> phrase, it's really bad. It looks really, really goofy, so... Yeah. You gotta plan ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and I... playing with Paul all these years because you guys have played together 
a long yeah. time. Yeah, a long time. It's great. I mean, by this point, like, we have this weird telepathy thing between <laughs> us, you know? Like, if we just sit down in a room with some guitars, we can just sort of communicate that way. It's just like, you know, musical brother. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys deal with if you have creative differences? Oh, um, that's rarely an issue because, like, we're pretty respectful of what each other wants to do with the tune. And we're also really free to let each other, like, experiment. Like, I remember, I think it was this summer. Yep, this summer. We were just wandering around the woods and at St. John's with some guitars and decided to stop at the chapel and just play for a little bit there. And, um, you know, I played him a couple new tunes. And one was a pretty straightforward kind of rock song. And at the end, you know, we kind of decided to put, like, a little section to just improvise. And we were going to do it in an odd time signature. And he's just kind of like, I don't know what that's doing there, but keep playing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he came up with the most beautiful, like, out there kind of melody um, that I'd ever heard over this looping, weird, lopsided progression. Real presence in my mind like the shadow of a memory From a bad dream And I thought that we'd go together like green Time is an unfeeling machine song uh new song of yours that you'd want to play um yeah i could i could probably find one let's see um yeah i'll just do the what i think is probably going to be the title track for the the demo or slash ep deal we're doing (laughs) so state of mind I left behind some time ago I caught hold of a memory there brought to me in the humid air by the breeze of chorus lake I lost my way through the snow and the frozen streets felt the pull of a familiar gaze I stood alone by the tree in the fading light till it came Sorry bones from the river I 
so much to see Lord, I heard a host of voices telling me Just don't stay for the sake of memory Revel in some tragedy like a choice you wouldn't make I spend my day walking resisting awake and sleep As if I dreamed every foolish mistake I settle down, watch you be Neon lights, yeah, you sing What was your name, your name, your name And you pulled my sorry bones from the gutter Maybe on a whim I'll let that sentimental wind blow me back again Where I'll settle on some crowded street Hum some smoke melody Watch the breeze blow it away That's it. You know what I think I really like about your vocal melodies is it reminds me of a guitar solo. <laughs> Just the fact that there's a lot of words and notes in there versus, a, I don't know, some other singers. That's true, actually. I've been trying to stop doing that, <laughs> trying oh. to cram so many words in, but it's, it's working out I, all right. I think that's a totally unique style, so thank you. just let it. Let it happen, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep trying. Yeah. Do you have any tips for songwriters or composers? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen to a lot of music. A lot of different kinds of music is important. My favorite musicians always kind of go out of their way to try new things. And whether it's effective or not, it's always really admirable, I think. And so, especially when you're, if you're just starting out, you should be digesting as much as you can, like everything from bar talk to whatever's on top 40 radio, you know, it's just important to have perspective and see what can be done. So you know what tools you have to use, I guess. Yeah. I interviewed a psychologist at the U of M who studies creativity. Yeah. And she was saying that people who are less experimental with their music maybe get more popular right away. Mm-hmm. But later in life, it's the experimentalists whose pieces of music or art or whatever actually have like more value yeah, overall. I think that's really true. All my favorite classical music is stuff that during the time period, people were like, this is garbage. What are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Ravel's string quartet, the second movement, is like my favorite 
thing in the world almost i could actually if you just like look at the score the thing is so beautiful i mean Hmm. and nobody liked it when it came out you know like they're just like this is horrible it's very poorly balanced it just sounds like you're throwing things at the wall and seeing if they'll stick but i think that's what's cool about it and you know beethoven's fifth everybody's like what is this yeah (laughs) it's the same thing over and over and over again yeah it does it really well and and bach too like back it's just crazy to think about how much he was experimenting yeah. back then, blowing people's minds, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I had like a weird obsession phase with Bach recently. That's still ongoing, I guess. <laughs> But he um, has done some stuff that has actually made my jaw drop. Like, when you look at it, um, the musical offering, I had to do a little talk on it the other day, and that thing is just banana pants advanced. Hmm. I mean, it's really short pieces of music, but they're all, like, basically riddles that sort of fit in with this whole idea of music pedagogy and, like, composition. And basically it's, on one hand, like a gift to this king... And on the other hand, it's this, like, look into the mind of a genius, you know? There's, like, everything from weird religious themes encoded in the music, I guess. I don't know about that one. But the the real magic is, like, uh, just the advanced understanding of composition he has. He has a something called a crab canon in there. Have you heard about this? It, <laughs> oh, my God. I think it's only, like, 18 bars or something. It's not very long. But when when you play it forward, it makes sense. You play it backward, it makes sense. If you play it forward and backwards at the same time, you get a complete canon with two voices. So, like, that's how advanced (laughs) this guy was. He was just playing games, basically, with music. Yeah, that canon thing reminds me of, I think it was Bach that did table music, it's called, for, like, two violins. Yes. So you look across from the, yeah, you each read the same piece of music, but one person is upside down. Yeah, it's I love that. Insane too. It's so crazy. <laughs> and then like you'll you'll find these pieces of music in like uh compilation type books and you'll look through it and you'll be like, Why is there a bass clef upside down here? And then like, Oh my god <laughs> And then when it hits yeah. you, you're like, Oh yikes <laughs> This is insane. Yeah. But that kind of stuff is I mean it's been going on forever, so Yeah. You know. It's kind of like, Wow, well, where do we take this now? <laughs> yeah. Well, Dylan, I could just sit here and listen to your you play your music all day. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but we do need an intro theme for the podcast episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Man. what do you think? Something on the spot? Something on the spot? Just, should I just play some guitar? That... Sure. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Composer Quest with Dylan McFarling. I'll have more info about Dylan and the music he talked about at composerquest.com slash Dylan. Just a reminder, if you want to be on the official Composer Quest Fortune Cookie album, make sure to submit your recording by December 14th. And Dylan McFarling will be participating too, hopefully. His fortune that he drew was a rub in a tub will make you feel better. Not sure what he's going to do with that one, but should be interesting. For more details about this challenge, go to composerquest.com slash quest6, and you can always email me if you have any questions, charlie at composerquest.com. And if you want to stay in the loop with ComposerQuest stuff, go to facebook.com slash composerquest or twitter.com slash composerquest. 
And if you've been enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate a little review on iTunes. Thanks. And I'm losing my voice, so I think it's time to let us go out with some beautiful acoustic guitar music by Dylan.